Matthew chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. <coughs> Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His wooden fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Actually, you can take your seats first. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, this evening, but we thank you for the season with the Vatican. And we thank you now, Lord, just for the chance to gather around your work. Father, I pray that you would uh, open our hearts to what you might have to say to us tonight, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us. Uh, Lord, that we would learn from you and encounter you through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's really, really lovely to get to share with all of you tonight. So back in June, uh, Beth and I booked ourselves a holiday to Portugal. And it's the first time as a couple that we've ever went half board. Uh, so half board means that you get all of your dinner included. Uh, and I was very excited about this because we booked this uh, hotel that had this big, amazing buffet restaurant so it's like all you could eat pizza and steak and beef no spice bags uh, that's all right uh, there was plenty to eat uh, and so our plan was to go to the airport uh, our flight was going to take off at four o'clock and then we would be in the hotel for about half seven uh, so we could start our holiday with this really lovely big buffet dinner and so we went to the airport uh, and as we got in we noticed our flight was already delayed by half an hour so we're like, that's fine, that's, that's normal, we'll not worry too much. Uh, but as time went on, uh, the flight became delayed more and more, to the point where actually we met some friends in the airport. They managed to fly to Paris, get from the airport to their Airbnb, and we were still sitting uh, in Belfast, <laughs> which wasn't good. Uh, so eventually uh, we got our plane, though sadly it took off at 9 o'clock. Uh, so our dinner that night was not a buffet, it was a complimentary twirl bar for me, <laughs> uh, It wasn't good, it wasn't good. Um, so there was a lot of waiting involved in that. Uh, and here's the thing with waiting, generally the more we wait, the more our hope will begin to fade. Uh, and the less we will believe that the thing we are waiting for is going 
to happen. And so in our gospel reading tonight, we find Israel coming out of a really significant period of waiting and of wilderness. So we know there's been a 400 year period of silence since the last prophetic revelation from God. And this hasn't been an easy 400 years for Israel. They have been conquered by several other nations in that time. Culminating in Rome, they are still at this time uh, in rule uh, of, the, uh, of the Israelite people. And so here then finally, after all this time in wilderness as a nation, John the Baptist arrives on the scene with a fresh message for the Israelite people. And his message is this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now I believe that actually in our context, in Ireland, north and south at the minute, we are in a bit of a spiritual wilderness. And please don't throw me out of the chapel for this, but I also think that actually as a church right now, we are also finding ourselves in a time of wilderness. And now Advent should be about hope. And the great news is, and I really believe this, that God is not and he will never be finished with his church. Uh, but the challenge really for us tonight is that we need to get on board with what God is doing and what God is calling us to as his people and his church. And so tonight then I want us to look at John's example and consider actually how we might be a people who can lead others out of wilderness. And so what we learn then from John's example tonight is that we are to be spirit-filled and word-centered. I really enjoyed uh, Tim two months ago as he led his inner charismatic out as he spoke about the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was great. Uh, and we know that John is a man filled with and speaking in the power of the Spirit. And you could spend a whole sermon series talking about the Spirit-filled life. Uh, but I want to just leave us with one suggestion tonight that I think is really key to being Spirit-filled. Uh, and that is intimacy with God. So close fellowship with God. And really uh, I say intimacy because if we are close to the Lord then generally everything else will follow from that place. So obedience to him, uh, a gradual, uh, a bigger realization of our need that we need to depend on him. Uh, my wife likes to tease me about my car sometimes. She tells me that I drive a brown car because uh, I can't be bothered to clean it and it's very <laughs> dirty. Uh, but here's the thing, if I ever was to take a notion okay, to clean my car and I went to the shop and I bought myself a big brand new sponge and I took the sponge out of the packet to wash the car. If I was just to take a dry sponge and rub it over a dry, dirty car, I would spend all this time and effort, but actually the car wouldn't be any cleaner. So in order really for the sponge to be effective, it needs to be connected to the tap and the water source so it's useful. And so really just like that sponge needs to be constantly refilled by the tap, we need to remain in constant fellowship with the Lord in order to allow ourselves to be constantly filled with his <coughs> spirit. Jesus says very simply in John 15, abide in me and you will bear fruit. And really what Jesus is calling us to here is a constant unbroken connection to him. We are three months into our Deacon internships at this stage, uh, but one thing that is becoming more and more apparent to me is actually how incapable uh, I am of making any sort of impact for God's kingdom in my own strength. You know, uh, the reality is actually for all of us, we can't convict people. We can't change their thoughts or habits. We can't cause them to make a decision to come to faith. We can't bring transformation 
into the lies that actually only the Holy Spirit can do that. Now, I'm not advocating for total passivity here uh, at all. Uh, of course, we all have a role to play in, in teaching and come alongside people and pastoring and, uh, and all of those sorts of things. But actually, true, deep, lasting transformation in someone's life can only be brought about by the Holy Spirit. And those used powerfully by God throughout history have always been people who are close to him in prayer. Ian Bounds, who is an incredible author on prayer, he says this. He says, the church is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men and women. Because men and women are God's method. And really what he is getting at is this, that actually transformed lives will do more for the witness of the gospel and the building of the church and the advancing of the kingdom than any program or strategy ever will. And that transformation that takes place, that comes from intimacy with God by the work of his spirit. And so we're to be spirit-filled, but we are also to be word-centered. We're to be faithful proclaimers of the word. John the Baptist proclaims a message of repentance and the nearness of the kingdom. And we read about the fruit of this in verses 5 and 6. So people from Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region come out to him. They confess their sins and they are baptized. And so the challenge for us here then is to be a word-centered people. And there are two things we can learn from John as we read about him proclaiming the word. Uh, firstly, John preaches with a prophetic discernment into the situation that the people of Israel find themselves in. You know how powerful and precious would it be after 400 years of silence to hear that actually the kingdom of heaven is near. And to know that actually God had not abandoned the people, but he was far closer than they realized. And so the challenge then for us is that we would speak into the lives of those around us with that same prophetic discernment. That actually how we teach and live out the word of God, we do that in a way that engages with the situation that each and every person finds themselves in. And that what we teach would bring genuine life-giving truth in a way that people can engage with and apply to their lives. Secondly, John's example shows us that we can't shy away from challenging truth. Uh, but there is a need, definitely, to, to preach those challenging truths with gentleness, with grace, and with humility. Certainly, in our context in the North, we have a bit of a history of hard truth uh, preached in a way that actually is quite cold uh, and graceless uh, and has been very damaging. The reality is John didn't say to the Israelites after 400 years, um, God's somebody to tell you, just keep going as you are, you're doing a really great job. Uh, that wasn't John's word. John called them to repentance because that was in line with what God was calling his people to do and ultimately it was for their own good. And it may have been a challenging truth, but actually it resulted in leading people into life as they responded, repented, and were baptized. And so ultimately John does two things here. He encourages the people, but he also challenges them. So then the task then for us as teachers of the word is to have this healthy balance of encouraging and nurturing, but also challenging and really all of scripture is full of challenging truth but ultimately it leads to life i like the leader that was in my sermon in the middle because i was hoping it'd be 10 minutes and even with like five two points of time <laughs> very long so come on out. 
so yes, there's loads of other things I'd love to have talked about in this passage. Uh, and our reading here is at verse 12. Uh, but it's come to close. Now I want to think about verse 13. Uh, because verse 13 I think starts with three very powerful words. Then Jesus came. And really I just want to consider then God's faithfulness to his people. 400 years of silence. Then Jesus came. And I'm sure throughout those 400 years, generations of Israelites were probably thinking we've blown it. We've finally pushed God so far and disappointed him so much that he is done with us. He's totally abandoned us. And actually, if we rewind even further back to Israel's history, they have 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They have 40 years in the wilderness for their disobedience. They have generations and generations under judges and kings who are consistently disobedient to God in lots of different ways. They then have 70 years of exile to Babylon as a nation as a result of their continuing obedience. And then as we've spoken about, they, there's 400 years of silence with no prophetic revelation. But then Jesus came. Uh, I hope this isn't cringy, but that really blows my mind. I think God's commitment to his people is incredible. It's totally unwavering. And as I mentioned at the start tonight, I think the church is in a little bit of a wilderness season, but actually God's commitment to his church as well is totally unwavering. And so no matter how dark it may seem to get, uh, no matter how much we think that maybe culture has moved on or things are getting a lot more secular, no matter how much actually even as the church that we feel him, God is not finished with his church. I just want to finish with a wee example. It was at a Connor Diocesan Youth event uh, last Friday night, uh, and it was incredible. The hall was full <coughs> of young people, um, and there was actually the, the worship was led by a group of young people as well. And see here, a church hall packed full of worship uh, of young people singing praise and worship to God. It was totally incredible. But for me, it was that moment of actually God is already raising up the next generation behind us. So God is not finished with His church. Let's pray. But God, we thank you for that truth. That you were never finished with your people, Lord, that you never finished with us. And Lord, even pray for anyone tonight who maybe feels in their own life situation and uh, you seem silent or distant or absent, that there just will be that encouragement, Lord, that you're totally committed to them. Father God, we thank you for the absolute privilege it is in our context here to be uh, training for ministry, Lord, to be involved in training others for ministry, Lord, uh, to share this incredible journey. Father God, we just want to surrender afresh tonight and pray that we, you would use us powerfully, God, and as you used John the Baptist to build your church, Lord, to see your kingdom come, to see many come to faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.